The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. All right, you guys are live. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here, Fightful.com Managing Editor. November 15th, it is The List and your boy. Number 46. Yeah. Number 46. Sean, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. So first and foremost, I was telling you off the air I was going to tell this. Anybody listening to this that either you have young children or you're about to become a parent, let me tell you what you don't do. Uh, although I know it's difficult, so I'm not blaming anybody. It's difficult. You try to keep them away from, like, community uh, children's playing areas, right? Like, you, don't, you don't want them associating with the plebs. Uh, what I'm saying is Chuck E. Cheese, stay away from the ball pit, that kind of thing, Right. My kid, there's like a Lego store here at a mall. They have like community Legos kids can play with, right? Last Friday, my wife sent me a picture of my daughter playing with Legos at one of these things. And as soon as I saw that picture, I thought, I'm going to be fucked in about three days because she's going to get sick. And uh, I don't know why it is, Sean. Whenever my kid keeps me up all night because she's sick, it's always Tuesday night for whatever reason. So that Wednesday when I do this podcast, I feel like, yeah, so last night, we're doing this on the 15th, last night, Tuesday night, I got about an hour of sleep because uh, my kid was sick. So I, I told you that I am dragging ass like you wouldn't believe today, but for you, I'm here, Sean. For Nigel, I'm here. I appreciate it. This is, this is my favorite time of the week. It signifies my week kind of, I don't want to say winding down, slowing down, but for this weekend, yeah, it does because it's really picking up. Saturday There's a lot Sunday. going on this weekend. And, oh, and my God, yeah. Pers- personally, I'm pretty stoked because my in-laws are coming in, which means that I'll be able to catch NXT probably live, which is rare, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll probably be able to catch Survivor Series live. Normally, I don't, I don't get to catch the shows until about 9 o'clock, and then I kind of backtrack. Yeah. So uh, I'll probably be able to catch them live, so that's going to be a treat. Good Should back to be- guys' shows. Yeah, I'm really excited for that NXT show. I'm a big fan of Andrade Cien Almas. And I think that women's four-way could steal the show. And that's saying something, because that's a really, really good card. But I'm looking forward to War Games because I want to see what it looks like. Like yeah, WWE's version, right? I want I've to see... This, I've said this before, but I'm surprised that Vince, when he, whenever it was pitched to him, didn't just use the Elimination Chamber for it. Because that is a structure yeah. that you could use for that and call it WWE's version and the new and improved yada yada. Because... I think it's because yeah. of Hunter because uh, I, I think Vince is pretty hands-off with NXT. And I think I think Hunter can more or less do what he wants in NXT. 
which is probably why they don't do the big authority figure thing all the time in NXT, which we will talk about. And I, I, I know that in years past, I recall Hunter in interviews mentioning War Games because it's something he wanted to do. Yes. So I, I think Vince is pretty hands-off, and Hunter can do pretty much what he wants. So that's why they have that matchup uh, down there, in my opinion. Yeah, um, Triple H seems a little more in tune to that type of stuff. Oh, absolutely. He he is. It's one thing I really like about him. I know that he gets shit on a lot because he is political and all that when he needs to be. But he's a, he's a fan of the business and and a student yeah. of the business. And uh, I think he's been nothing but a benefit to NXT as we've talked about. But uh, even though I hate that he's a heel sometimes and a babyface sometimes, and but we'll yeah. get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, I want to start out by saying congratulations. Nigel might find this interesting. I like that I can see you this week, Nigel. I moved everything around. He moved everything over. So that we, I can look yeah. you in the eye. I know. You didn't see me on the street today. That was I, interesting. Must, that was, must be nice, guys. Must be so, nice. <laughs> so I want to give a shout-out to Brandon James and Aaron Fletcher. Uh, that is the couple that got engaged in the building during Raw on Monday night yeah. in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, one of our uh, regular readers of Fightful named Jeff, uh, he goes by the name Hefe, and I... I, I Apologize if I pronounce your handle incorrectly. Hefe Blackman or Hefe Blaukman? Not sure, but uh, Jeff is his name, and he hit us up. He sent us a video of the proposal. Uh, said that Brandon James is one of his best friends. So I'll, I'll do you one better. I heard from Aaron. You did. I heard from Aaron, and okay. I asked her about uh, their thoughts on Paul Heyman kind of calling out the engagement. It's great. Yeah. She said, honestly, it made it that much more memorable. Absolutely. just when he could have ignored us. Yeah. Brandon wasn't meaning to pick the time that Brock came out, but it just happened. It was put up or shut up at that point, but he's a huge fan. And then she said, I literally hear your guys show after every single damn WWE show. Your voices are etched in my memory. Don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it is a thing. <laughs> so that's what? me adding that. And she said... It was pretty awesome. It made him and Brock smile. Yes. And it said that a production guy came over to her and said something about coming to get us when the commercial came on but didn't come back. Okay. So, okay. But she said it was very ha- – they were very happy. It was awesome. Sent me pictures of the ring and uh, cool. the sign of uh, – she said yes. So congratulations to them. That, that That's really awesome. So I was saying to Jeff about how if Brandon shows the Heyman segment on purpose, he's brilliant. Yeah, uh, and Jeff's. I think Jeff said, if I remember right, uh, he was planning on doing it at nine o'clock, and and then Brock happened to have that segment around that time or something. Yeah, let me tell you something. If there's one guy on the entire Raw roster that is the time to do something like that, it's Paul Heyman, because as we've talked about before, most of the guys on the Raw roster they they're not really good at listening to the crowd and playing off the crowd, and they stick to the script all the time. And Heyman is so uh, experienced with this stuff that he'll roll with it. And so what happened, uh, Nigel, was Paul Heyman's cutting a promo in the ring. He's got Brock Lesnar with him. The whole crowd is chanting, she said yes, because there was a proposal. And he couldn't, Paul Heyman couldn't figure out what it was at first. And I think Brock pointed it out, right, Sean? Yeah, Brock pointed it out. Because Brandon held a son that said, she said yes, right? So I think Brock Lesnar pointed it out, and Paul Heyman saw it. In the middle of his promo, he stopped, <laughs> went over to the ropes, and he said something along the lines of, uh, she said yes because she's never been with this beast or something. She's never something. seen a beast like Brock Lesnar. Never seen a beast like Brock Lesnar. <laughs> and Brock popped for that. Did you see that? Yeah. Brock popped for that. Like, he loved that. And uh, so that's why I was saying to Jeff, the guy that's friends with Brandon and Aaron, if, if, if the groom picked that segment on purpose, it was brilliant because Paul Heyman is the one guy that was going to... I was going to pause. So, congratulations to those imagine, guys. Imagine if they would have done it during the Jason Jordan segment. Well, oh, oh. 
<laughs> oh, oh. I loved it. I loved it. You know I what? I don't know if I liked it because I, I wanted to cry too, but I don't know if it's because it was so bad or because oh. I felt bad for Jordan. Yeah, it's it, yeah. Uh, do you do you do you recall when Sean Waltman started in WWE as the uh, Lightning Kid One Two Three Kid back in yeah. like ninety four ninety five? Do you recall that when he started, he would cut promos talking about like being at his grandma's house mm-hmm. because he was portraying this kind of virginal, innocent young guy, right? He made, me, he made me think there was a shot for me in WWE because right. he was a little dude, and I was, like, before I got out of high school, I was real small. Right. I'm talking, like, when I graduated, maybe 130 pounds, but then I find out that the small X-Pac, the small one, two, three kid, uh, about 200 pounds. Yeah, he's like 6'1", I think. Yeah, 6'1", 200 pounds. Yeah. But anyway, I, I thought of Sean Waltman when he would do these Oh My Grandma promos watching Jason Jordan die a slow death out there. But we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, so congrats again to Brandon and Aaron. I also want to give a shout-out to Mark Francis, who's one of our regular readers of Fightful, lives in Ottawa, Canada, and he told an awesome story. I'm convinced Ed Norholm probably doesn't like us. Oh, yeah. um, Because sometimes the truth hurts, right? I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't dislike him at all. Uh, I just want to see Impact survive. These are people that want to make a living. I don't want the company to die. I want them to survive. And he's made so many mistakes. So Mark Francis attended uh, an Impact taping last week. And he told us that he he was wearing a Fightful t-shirt. He spotted Ed Nornholm. And it was clearly Ed Ed Nornholm because we saw the picture. He spotted Ed Nornholm in the crowd. Ed Nornholm is the guy that runs Impact Wrestling. Mark Francis asked to get a picture taken with him. Ed Nornholm looked at his t-shirt, asked him, what's it for and who are you with? And then... Denied that he was at Nornholm. <laughs> he actually denied he was himself when he saw the T-shirt and and Mark was asking for the photo, which is fucking pathetic. Seriously, that he <laughs> would act like, like that. Depending no. on which shirt it is, you can get it at prowrestlingtees.com/fightful or prowrestlingtees.com/seanrossap. Guys, if you tweet me a picture of you wearing a fightful shirt, I'm going to enter you in some kind of contest. I'm going to do something in regards to that, but. I'm telling you guys, those shirts kick ass. Be like Matt Riddle. Be like Jason Kincaid. Wear those shirts. There you They're go. Cool. Well, I can't believe Ed Norholm would do that. What, what yeah, I, I just, I well maybe, but that's that's unfortunate. Uh, so thanks, Mark, for all of your input about the tapings. He gave us a lot of intel, and that was good. And uh, last but not least, I don't know if you noticed anybody because I know some of our of some of our listeners. You listen to the audio and you don't watch the YouTube or the video version of this. So in case you're not watching the video version. I removed the Sean Ross Sap mask from the James Ellsworth in my background shot today. And it's I the did right it. thing to do, Jimmy. It's the right thing to do. And if I had more time, because I came in here late, if I had more time, I was going to take the shirt off too, so that he was the classic James Ellsworth. Not the right thing to do. <laughs> why don't you tell everybody, because this is breaking news today, November 15th. It is. Why, why did I take the Sean Ross Sap mask off the James Ellsworth? Well, I do. We do have an article up on Fightful.com, and I have a breaking news video on YouTube. So make sure you guys subscribe, leave us a thumbs up, all that good stuff. I've been doing those uh, pretty frequently for you guys because you're responding to them well. James Ellsworth and WWE came to the terms uh, came to terms on his release. Now, generally, when they say that, the superstar has a little bit of a say in it. I don't know if that's the case now, but no, no. So yeah, you and I, I so you and I, I off the air, so. you and I off the air talked about this last week when we talked about SmackDown and uh, Ellsworth was uh, super kicked by Carmella. I asked you on the show, look like he's being, you know, he's being written off. Uh, I know that you were hopeful he wasn't because you're a fan of the character, but it looked to me like he was being Love written him. off. 
and now he's been released. But you know what? You can't look at anything about his whole run as anything but a positive. And I, I still look at James Ellsworth as an example of what to do when you get a shot. And when you think of somebody like Emma that shit on the Emmalina character allegedly, look at a guy like James Ellsworth as an example of what to do when you get an opportunity. He was supposed to be brought in as a scrub that Braun Strowman destroyed. That was that's what he was supposed to be. He got the chance to say one thing and yes, he made he did. it last. Now granted his look helped him. Because yeah. looking the way he looks and having the no chin thing and all that, that helped his cause. But you're right. He had one shot with one line. He also sold like a champ too. But he oh, had yeah. he had one shot with one line and he turned it into a one year contract. That's amazing. Well it's the amazing. contract was was for more from what I understand, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've told you this before, the contracts aren't worth the paper they're written on. Because sure. they release you and you're done. But uh, good for him. He got to travel the world, Sean. They made an action figure of him. I, I'm assuming he's in uh, 2K18. I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think he is. No? No, I think that was a big point of contention there. Uh, he had actually mentioned that on his Twitter. But he's 32 years old. He'll be 33 in a few weeks. Yeah. I do think that's a little rough to cut him right before Thanksgiving, his birthday, and Christmas. That's a little When's his birthday? In like three weeks. Oh, really? Yeah, that's that's kind of rough, but he'll get independent booking, Sean. D- oh, Dylan Hales, who runs uh, the SCI tournament, said that three people have already sent him texts asking him to book them against Ellsworth. Good. You don't think? I mean, he's he's got the James name. His his name is James Ellsworth. Yep. Morris, like yep. that's his name. He can use it anywhere. You think Ring of Honor's not going to book a cheeseburger versus James Ellsworth match? You're high off your ass. They're yep. doing it. Yep. Him versus Colin Delaney somewhere. Yeah. That's happening too. Yeah. Uh, he's getting bookings a lot of places, and yeah. uh, I'm going to reach out to him. I was supposed to interview him before he went to WWE, but I remember, I remember he got that deal. Yeah. He was a wonderful person to deal with, and yeah. I really enjoyed him on TV. And I, I think that he carried himself very well because he came off like he was appreciative of the whole opportunity. And I'll never forget. Remember what Matt Riddle told us when he was at Dave and Buster's? Remember that? So Matt yeah. Riddle, Nigel, Matt Riddle one time was at Dave and Buster's. Okay. And a guy taps him on the shoulder and wants to take a picture with Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle turns around. It's James Ellsworth. And this is when he was on the WWE roster yeah. at this point. Oh, I wow. I get the feeling both Matt Riddle and James Ellsworth have plenty of cool Dave and Buster stories. Matt's are probably a little bit cooler. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, no, I I, uh, I say kudos to James Ellsworth. I don't, if I was in his shoes, I wouldn't look at this release as a negative because he had a great run and he's going to get independent opportunities. Yeah, so. and he's, his asking price is a lot more. He's going to make money on the oh, yeah. independent circuit now. Oh, he now. will. Yep. He may have been just treading water before, and yep. I wouldn't be surprised if he was. Aaron Hyden, one of our writers, says, surprise appearance at New Japan. It would not shock me to see him in the New Japan Rumble at Wrestle Kingdom where they just throw people in there. Yeah, I think it happens. They just, like, I mean, Haku was in it last year. <laughs> right. So people, right. like, they, they love to do that. Yep. Hell, they could bring him back for the Rumble because they, they do that, that right? That's another thing I was going to mention. From yeah. what I understand, he is on good terms. Oh, sure. Of course he is. He's sure. well-liked, and yeah. they love to bring people back. Like, well, Santino's been back a few times. Well, and I'm sure he would be more than, than happy to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, he would. Let's move on. Uh, let me ask you this question. If someone told Triple H a month ago that he was going to end up wrestling on eight shows internationally between late October and uh, early December... How do you think Triple H would have responded to that if he hadn't been told that? 
God damn it, Bo Dallas, what have you done? <laughs> he would find a way to blame Bo Dallas because the only way that's going to happen is somehow related <laughs> to Bo Dallas. Now, I give Hunter props, and we've talked about this before. It's good that WWE has his ace in the hole, uh, but I give him props for stepping up. So in late October, when Kevin Owens left the uh, tour, they were in Chile, and he left the tour because of a family emergency. Hunter stepped up and worked that show. Then in uh, the first week of November, uh, they had the UK tour. Roman Reigns was off with the mumps. Bray Wyatt was off and whoever else. And uh, Hunter worked the whole tour. It was like five shows. He worked the whole thing. Uh, and now a few days ago, and this is going to lead into something else, but a few days ago, they announced that he's going to replace Kevin Owens uh, against Jinder Mahal when they go through India on the tour. And uh, so good good on him that he's, you know, I mean, he, he's, out of, he's out of position now. His schedule is so demanding with NXT and everything. He's in his late 40s now. Uh, I'm sure doing international shows, and from what you hear about India, Sean, it's probably the last place he wants to wrestle. But he's doing, yeah. it, he's doing it because he knows he needs to do it for business purposes, and I give him props for that. Uh, now let me ask you about this. They announced on Raw this week that he's going to be joining the Men's Survivor Series team, replacing Jason Jordan. Um, do you think this was done for a business reasons, or do you think this was done because they want to prepare Jason Jordan for a heel turn on Kurt Angle? Both. Both? Like I've, I've said over and over again, TLC showed them that they can change matches. Mm. And if it's better, it's more interesting. People will people will like it. People will create buzz for it. I liked Jason Jordan's performance on Monday. I thought that he seemed like a sniveling little baby. Yeah. And that's the, I think that's the direction they wanted to take with him. We laughed our asses off at the, the fact that they made him say, but but it's the one time of year where SmackDown and Raw go head to head. Right, it was right. the funniest right. thing I've ever heard. Clearly dictated, yeah. Oh, yeah. of course. It almost course. felt like they called an audible because he was the biggest heel on the whole show. So it, it, it almost felt like when he came out earlier in the show and was getting shit on by the people in Atlanta, it almost felt like Vince was like, oh, this isn't working. Let's just get him the fuck out of there, you know? But I'll tell you this. So I, I think that the heel turn is going to be great for Jason Jordan. Matter of fact, I think the fans might pop for it because they want to see it. Yep. Uh, I think that's going to be great for him. Um, I hated watching Kurt Angle. I, I have hated the way Kurt Angle has been booked. And I'll, we'll talk about this more again later on. But I hate the way he's been booked. I hated watching him stand there and do nothing while Hunter Pedigree's his son because Kurt doesn't want to piss off the boss, Triple H. I hated watching that. And that was the one moment from the whole show that I probably disliked more than anything. Sure as hell looks like they're teasing Kurt and Hunter at uh, Mania, which should be a hell of a matchup. But, uh, oh, I hated a watching hell, A hell of a matchup, but there, there are times when they do that, and I'm like, who gets over by doing Who gets over right, right. in that? The McMahons get over. The McMahons get over. That, that's it. Like, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk and about it's, it. And it's it is WrestleMania is a special situation because it is a standalone one night type of thing. Right. Right. So I'm okay with that. So um, going back to Hunter being thrown into the match with Jinder Mahal in India, we have some pretty interesting WWE news related to India, Sean. Uh, yes. I think that we have, uh, I think enough information has been put together now that we're able to determine the success of Jinder Mahal's run as WWE champion. So uh, it was reported by the timesofindia.com on November 14th that the first of the two shows that were scheduled to run in the Indira Gandhi Indoor Stadium in New Delhi has been canceled. They're going to do two shows, one on December uh, 8th, one on December 9th, back to back. 
uh, and they've canceled the first show on December 8th. And to make it worse, which is clearly a sign that ticket sales are, are slow, they've said anybody that bought a ticket for the show on the 8th, you can redeem it on the 9th and get into the show on the 9th. So clearly ticket sales are slow if they're able to do that. Uh, and then as we talked about, they've injected 100 in the match in Kevin Owens' place because clearly they, they feel like they need to do it. And to make it even shittier, the release from WWE, Sean, the statement, you heard the statement or read the statement? The spin. The spin, yeah, we, right? We have a website that we posted on, Jimmy. Oh, yeah, there you go. There you go. What's that called? So, uh, com. So WWE released a statement, and here's the quote. To meet the requests of WWE fans in India... <laughs> <laughs> and deliver the biggest main event in the country's history, WWE is combining two nights of family-friendly action into a one-night-only exclusive super show. Uh, what a load of bullshit that is. So they're saying that to well, meet well, the demand. Here, here's the thing. WWE ever saying to meet the demand of our audience is yeah. rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rich. But how are, how are you meeting their request by canceling a show? How does that make any sense? I saw and that there's... They, they added a show on the 8th in Abu Dhabi, which they like Abu Dhabi, and Abu Dhabi likes them. Right. I, I've made this comparison, and I'll make it to you, Jimmy, and I don't like making the sports comparisons. The Rockets, Houston Rockets, didn't shoehorn Yao Ming onto the team. He was really good. He was Chinese, and because he was a really good Chinese basketball player, popularity of the NBA exploded in China. Jinder Mahal is not from India. Right. He is not really good. Right. He is not really popular. Yeah. And therefore, the popularity didn't explode. That's why I said before, I thought they stood a better chance making uh, the Singh brothers, the Indian Hardy boys, better better chance than this. Maybe. And that ain't a very good chance. Well, when you look at it like this, so going because we haven't heard anything about merch sales, we haven't heard anything about subscription network subscriptions in India. Uh, it's hard to get that information. I'd ask Brandon Howard in the past if there's a way that he could figure that out, but I know it's hard to figure out. It's tough. But when you consider that, okay, so they've cut one of the shows. They have acknowledged, basically, that the remaining show isn't close to sold out because you can redeem your ticket from the 8th, right? So they've acknowledged that. They added Triple H to the show in the place of Kevin Owens. Mm -hmm. uh, and they took the title of Jinder Mahal a week before the Survivor Series when they'd already announced Brock and Jinder. When and you, that title reign, the big old wadoosh. Well, when you look at all of that, it looks to me like the uh, the experiment's over. Yeah. That's what it looks like. And and again, I mean, we have kind of crapped on Ginger because he hasn't been the greatest performer, but I think he tried his best. And like we talked about last week, I think that he was shoehorned by being enhancement for eight months first, which uh, would be difficult for anybody. But, yeah, it looks like the experiment's over, and, uh, I mean, they gave it a shot, and they it's not like they, they, they uh, uh, decided to scrap plans after a week. They went six months on this thing, Sean. Yeah, so, they did. They, you know, they gave it a go, and as did. I said before, they sacrificed the quality of their Tuesday night programming for months. I'll tell you what more than anything really solidified it for me, and who knows, maybe they'll, they'll just change course, but the way that AJ Styles reacted to Jinder Mahal's threat on Tuesday night... He just brushed Jinder Mahal off. Right. Like, that's it. But then again, if you got Brock Lesnar waiting in the wings, I'd probably brush Jinder off, too. Yeah. Seriously. That's a good point. That's a good point. I, not that I want to segue, but I heard this clip just recently. Have you ever listened to Mark Merrow talk to Jim Ross about when he found out that Rena was hooking up with Brock? Oh, no. 
So you know on YouTube when things come up on the side? Yeah, the little excerpts and the clips where like people... Like recommended for you or whatever? So. Yeah, where people steal other podcasts, <laughs> clips, and monetize monetize it and make money off of it. Yeah. So people I heard I heard a clip of Mark Merrow talking to Jim Ross. And Mark Merrow, to his credit, he's cool with everything. Him and Rena were already estranged by that point. They were living together, but they were estranged. Mark was done with wrestling. Rena wanted to go back to WWE. Uh, and this is Mark telling the story to Jim Ross. He said he had an idea something was going on with Rena, but again, they were kind of estranged anyway, so it's not like it was the biggest deal in the world. But he had a, he had a hunch something was going on. Finally, Rena comes off the road, and they talk and make the decision that it's time you know, to, to, to split and time for him to move out or whatever. Uh, and Mark Merrow telling the story to Jim Ross, he was saying, you know, there's always the part of you in the back of head that's like, when I find out who this piece of shit is, I'm going to kick his ass. And then, yeah. and then Mark Merrow said, as soon as I found out it was Brock Lesnar, he's like, it's a lot easier to forgive. And that was Mark Merrow telling the yeah. story. Yeah, that's what he said. He said, it's a lot easier to forgive when you find out it's Brock Lesnar. Yeah, I would so. imagine so. <laughs> Why do you think but, WWE, like, they'll show a lot of, like, great moments in history and stuff from, from their women's wrestling and women's characters? Sable at one time was one of the most over personalities oh. in wrestling. She she was they uh, don't on... they don't show anything. No, no. <laughs> they sure as shit don't show Stephanie ripping off Sable's top right. in the middle of a feud where Sable's banging Vince McMahon. Like that that ain't happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, whatever. Uh how's our time? We good? Okay, let's go to one more thing. So you you mentioned this already. I wanna again give kudos to WWE for the unpredictable booking that they've been doing the last couple of weeks uh, because they continued on again this week. So uh, not only did Triple H replace Jason Jordan in the, in the men's elimination match for the Survivor Series, Charlotte defeated Natalia for the women's title on SmackDown, which means that Charlotte is out of the women's elimination match. She will now represent the women's title against Alexa Bliss, leaving a spot open on the SmackDown women's team. Do you think it's Paige's spot? I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. They're waiting apparently until Sunday to reveal it. Yep. And Jeff thinks that they're like the SmackDown's going to lose, so it's not a good spot for Paige. But I think if you're in front of that crowd, it's going to be a hot crowd. Yeah. I think it is the place. I think they could do that. If they put Natalia in there, man, that is such that is fart noises. You yeah, want to leave Natalia out so she has a reason to be upset, I like agree. a reason to go after it. I thought that Charlotte was going to win. I'm glad Charlotte won, and now she gets to carry that title into Starcade. Yep. And the promo afterwards was awesome because you could tell it meant something to her. It was yep. a cool moment. Yeah. That was that was a great way, as as I mentioned, like to get a talent over that hasn't been on TV a ton, hasn't been winning a ton. Yeah. You put them in a good match. You win a title. It means something to her. She cuts a real promo. Yeah. We we mentioned it last night on the podcast how she had to catch her breath after Natalia had like given her this tough match. There was a sense of realism there that I could appreciate. Yep. I loved it. I think Charlotte is she's just, Charlotte's a star, man. Like absolutely, and it's crazy to think she had no desire to do this five yep. years ago. Yep, she's she's the top the the top uh, female performer in the company and arguably in all the wrestling. And I still think now, okay, now she's got the title back. Now I think, do you remember before when she, her and Flair were together as a, as a, as a pair, Rick, Rick Flair? Yes. And then she cut a promo where she shit on him to, in order to split from him? Yes. I think she should be a heel. I think Charlotte's better as a heel. And I would love to see her cut that promo where she, uh, you know, swerves the fans 
because now she, they're, they're, they're rooting for her, but then she turns heel. Yeah. She's so much better as, as a presence when she's a heel. She's natural. She is so, natural. Yeah, I think so. She were, I thought that she worked excellent as a baby face in that match last night, though. That, she did. Like, getting out of that sharpshooter. Ooh, that was good stuff. And Natalia is still really, really good in the ring. Sure, like, absolutely. Absolutely. I also liked, even though you know uh, I don't think much of Baron Corbin, in, in terms of the unpredictability factor, I liked that they've been positioning the Survivor Series match as The Miz versus Baron Corbin or Sin Cara. Yes. Because, because they had to have the match first in order to determine that, That right? was a good match, too. That yeah, was but a really good match, too. I liked how it was all positioned. And, yeah. uh, and again, the unpredictability has been great. I think that it has made Survivor Series more interesting show. And it's made television more interesting because you have something set and then you change it the next week. And I just like it. I, I wish they would do more of it. Yeah, so. I have a real sense of optimism going into this week. And a part of it's because of the great SmackDown I watched last night. There were four really good matches on this show. Right. And I, I had fun watching it. The There was unpredictable booking. Like I said, nothing was set in stone. So they didn't have those weeks of just stagnant stuff where – your match is set like four weeks ahead, and you just bide time until then. Which is what they normally did, yep. yep. And for a while, like, I got it because they used to announce their matches like the week before or yep. a week and a half before. And people would compare it to MMA and say, well, UFC announces their stuff three months out, and it's not a big deal. Well, Colby Covington, Nate Diaz... Elias Theodoru aren't on TV every single week trying to hold your interest. Right, right. They're in. They're at home at training camp. These guys got to be on TV every single week. And I thought that Sin Cara did an awesome job as a TV program for Baron Corbin. Mm. Baron Corbin and The Miz did a great job on their own building up this match. So I, I'm really excited. Who do you think wins that? I'm, I'm leaning towards Corbin because I think Miz is bulletproof. Uh, I could see Miz winning due to the Mistrage. Yeah, that, that's the only, that's the only reason I think is due to the measure. I I think that the Miz is a more overact than Baron Corbin, but Baron Corbin again has the fact that he's tall in his favor because no matter what WWE wants to say publicly, that's why they like him because he's tall, and because he's yeah. a former football player. So, but I think with the, with the Miz tourage, that gives Miz uh, an advantage. I want to say one other thing about SmackDown, and I I actually tweeted this last night. My you know one tweet a week that I normally do. <laughs> Uh, I loved Sami Zayn's goofy heel dance during his entrance with Kevin Owens. I loved it. It's called it, skanking. Uh, it was it was funny and it was you know it was just it was I just loved it. And the thing I loved about it even more was it was the Kevin Owens entrance music. Yes. And Kevin Owens entrance music does not exactly inspire dance fever, Sean. <laughs> He's got to do like a skanking elbow drop or something. <laughs> Hits the ropes, then does it and elbow drops. And I right. know that we put Kevin Owens over every week because Kevin Owens is awesome. So we it's put great. him over every week. How great was it, even though you could see it a mile away, how great was it that there comes the shield and the New Day is looking at Kevin and Sammy like, okay, you guys are with us because we're going to, you know, raw SmackDown. And then as soon as the shield gets on the apron, Owens and Sammy powder out. It's like, you I know, guess you could say they went into business for themselves, Jimmy. Right. I'm sure that's what happened. Right. So they were in the news last week. Far from the only people in the news over the last week, Jack Swagger announced on Monday that he was heading to Bellator MMA, and uh, it's something you, I mean, you remember when I when I asked him in our interview, I was like, "You mean Bellator? You're going to Bellator, right? That's what you mean?" And he was like, "Oh, what? What? Yeah, what? One of those? Like, yeah, yeah. it was very obvious." But I also spoke to Jack Swagger about a potential WWE return and how different the climate was. And ha like just three years removed from him working that We the People angle with Alberto Del Rio. 
check it out. I know you've uh, discussed uh, the potential of joining Impact Wrestling, said that you want to work kind of everywhere. Uh, Are you ever open, like, down the line if the right situation presents itself and making a WWE return? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's kind of weird to think about that now because it seems like this all just started. Uh, But, you know, you got to you got to pay the bills. So but right now it's uh, really a focus on uh, wrestling international and uh, domestically here and uh, really want to go to Japan very soon and uh, start start wrestling over there. And seeing what all the fuss is about. So what was the reaction among other wrestlers when you kind of let it known that you were you were heading out? Was was there a farewell or did you just kind of go? Uh, you know, my close friends definitely like called me and messaged me and spoke to some of them and definitely heeded their advice on, on, on some things with it. Um, I was out for about a month with a, a medical injury. So I was at home anyways, when it, the contract negotiations, uh, really picked back up. And so I, I didn't get to see hardly anyone face to face. So there was, wasn't a farewell or a, a gold watch, but, uh, <laughs> Some some very a lot of love definitely for sure from a, a lot of the guys up there. Who do you tell that to? Do you contact like Vince McMahon directly and say, "Hey, I think it'd be best if I moved on." Um, I mean that that would have been one route to go. Um, they were we were in the middle of contract negotiations and they were keeping me sheltered from events or hunter during it so um it kind of you know when you reach a stalemate you just go one way or the other and once i went through this the the going through them i was very angry but after going through them it was it was clear it was like i need to change i need to i need to move on and go do something else and uh see where that takes me and we're seeing more of that today than, than ever before. Like I put out a tweet this week that was like, I can't remember a two-year period in the last, really since the since WCW was around, that more people have left of their own volition or just opted to not resign. We've seen Neville recently, Austin Aries. Uh, we've seen tons of Cody, and Cody's found great success. What what do you think that is? Is it the overall health? I mean, when when Neville left, I'm sitting here thinking, man, that UK scene's red hot right now. Uh, the, you got New Japan, you've got a ton of places to work in America. Uh, what made you make that leap, considering that you hadn't really tested those waters before? You know, it was a, a couple of things. Like I said, I needed the change, uh, but you also see guys like Drew McIntyre. Um, guys like uh, Cody, um, they left and had definitely proved that there's life after the company, which is always nice to see because even though you're 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 like, yeah, there's life after the company. When you're in the role and to walk away from that job, you definitely would like some reassurance with it. So seeing the success they had off of uh, hard work and good matches and the age of wrestling that we are in right now where it's more popular, more acceptable. And then social media is just filled with wrestling fans. So it's really easy. It's not really easy. It's 
easier to get your name out there and get your work out there without having a major platform. Something I've wondered, especially over the last year and a half, in 2013, you had that uh, the Real Americans gimmick. How do you think that plays out last year and this year? Uh, if it's that, <laughs> considering the political landscape we're in. It would have been huge. It would have been a storyline that would have written itself every week. We could have just mimicked what had happened, and it would have, would have been great. Um, man, uh, it, it's funny to see how many people – how many politicians had we the people in their political yeah. slogans and whatnot. And uh, it's like, no, that's not yours. Do you think <laughs> they would have went with it? Because they, they've went a few places with the gender Mahal storyline that I didn't think they would go. Well, uh, when Trump first announced, I just had a feeling that like, Oh man, we're going to, we're going to elect him. And I pitched, <laughs> I pitched an idea to Vince, you know, about we the people and going on with Trump supporters and stuff like that. And uh, he he just said, stay away from him. And that was the last, really? that was the last I heard about it. All right. You guys are back. So Jack Swagger, as I mentioned before the clip, announced that he was heading to Bellator MMA. I think they'll treat him the way that they do the – Ed Ruth, Tyrell Fortune, people like that, the other amateur wrestlers that they have been very good at bringing in because now you have a guy like Ed Ruth and Tyrell Fortune who are 3-0, 4-0 in Bellator because they've been given the right kind of matchups to build them up and let them gain experience. I think he'll be the same way. And, Jimmy, a lot of people look at, have been saying to me, oh, he's 35. That's not old for heavyweight. That's not old for heavyweight at all. Do you think he's going to be like a special attraction like a Herschel Walker? Yeah. So do you think he's going to be a guy that they're not necessarily looking at? He's going to you know, be the, the, the foundation of the heavyweight division. He's going to be I'll, a guy with some name value. I'll put it like this. They run Thackerville, Oklahoma regularly. That's, like that's, one, of their, that's one, of their, one of their home bases. That's where he went to college. He went to college in Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I think it, that's, that's a smart hire by Bellator MMA. So is he going to be like a Lashley? He's going to do pro wrestling and he's going to do MMA at the same time? That's what he says, yes. Okay. Okay. Lashley's done a great job of it. Like he's made a really he's, good go of it. He's five and zero in Bellator. I can't believe they didn't put him in the the Bellator heavyweight tournament. I don't know how we would do against some of those. I, I mean, who it knows? Doesn't, they're who past cares? their prime. Yeah, you, yeah. You get yeah. They're all old. It yeah. doesn't matter how he does. It's it's all name value. They threw middleweights in there. Yeah, dude. Rampage is a small heavyweight. Yeah, yeah Rampage is. is Rampage is supposed to be a light heavyweight. Chael Sonnen's a middleweight. Yeah, Ryan Bader. Ryan Bader might win the whole tournament. Yeah, he's yeah. So so since we're talking MMA, yes, this is a wrestling podcast. Occasionally, I talk MMA. Political when I, podcast, apparently, based on what that troll said last some, week. Sometimes a religious podcast too. <laughs> uh, so uh, I want to uh, quickly talk about Michael Bisping. Because again, I think it's a topic that wrestling fans might find interesting, and I just want you want to ask you a question. So, Michael Bisping was the UFC middleweight champion, and on November fourth, which was about a week and a half ago, he lost the title to George St. Pierre. Uh, he he was dropped with the left hand, and then he was choked out. There's a show coming up on November, I think it's twenty fifth, yeah. uh, and Anderson Silva, who I think most people are familiar with, he was supposed to fight on that show. He uh, there was a, a drug violation, a USADA drug violation. He was pulled from the show. Michael Bisping now has stepped in, and he's going to fight uh, against Kelvin Gastelum on that show, which is going to be three weeks to the day. After the fight with GSP, my question to you Balls is: on that guy. Yeah, no, but here's my question. I realize he wasn't knocked out in the in the GSP fight, 
but he was still dropped with a left and choked out. Shouldn't there be some kind of like a 90-day safety? There was. There was a 30-day one. He was given a 30-day medical suspension, but he got cleared by a doctor to return. That's uh, what happened? Yeah, and he has straight up said he's going to retire in March. Yeah, I heard in, about that. In England. That, that story's up on Fightful.com. Actually, I had this, the P.D. Williams impact teleconference that I had to miss and supposedly the Bisping Gastelum media call all at the same time but the media the UFC media call got moved back a few hours and I'm stoked because mm. Bisping on a media call is great especially yeah. when he's filling in for a guy who failed for a USADA violation because yeah. he has been outspoken about that for years yeah very excited to hear that just giant sized balls on yeah. Michael Bisping to take that fight and that's a tough fight but I I I don't want to talk about the fight itself so much as the fact that I couldn't believe three weeks after getting... It is shocking. Right? And it doesn't sound shocking. safe to me. It doesn't it's sound not. safe. It's not. He's probably going to get his ass kicked pretty bad. But why would UFC allow him to get back in there after he got dropped and choked out? I just don't understand. Three weeks they later... They didn't want to cancel a card in China because that was the only fight on that show. They couldn't get there anybody else? I don't know. Well, here, here's the thing. He's fought in China before, so maybe it was a little easier for him to take that fight. Like, I don't know what kind of what kind of procedure he has to go to in order to get into China. Yeah. But maybe because he fought there three years ago in Macau that it made it a little bit simpler for him to take that fight. Maybe. I, I don't know, but that's just my my. How many, how many times has WWE been shit on over the years because a guy, you know, is working through, say, a staph infection, working through a, a, you know, torn ligament, whatever, and they get shit on for it. I realize Bisping's not injured, but he still yeah. got dropped with a left hand. He got choked unconscious, and three weeks later, he's fighting again. I just, uh, I was very surprised. So I wanted to bring that I, up. I was too. Yeah. I did not expect that. So I want to talk about Survivor Series. Uh, I'm actually pretty excited for the show, man. Yeah, me too. And, uh, and uh, well, we don't really have to go down the whole card. I think everybody knows it. The, the, the big match is Brock and AJ, uh, the Raw men's team, the female uh, elimination team, the Shield New Day, which is an interesting matchup, uh, Uso, Cesaro, Sheamus, Alexa, Charlotte, Miz, Baron, Enzo, Callisto on the pre-show. Um, there's one thing, though, about this card that I couldn't help but notice, and that is that, you know how every year at WrestleMania time, People talk about how WWE keeps on going back to the well and relying on established older stars in order to sell WrestleMania, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's been, a, there's been a knock on WWE for being unable to create new main eventers, like proven main eventers in this era, which is why they're going back to, to, uh, to older stars for, for Mania. Look at this Survivor Series show. The top two matches feature Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle, Triple H, Shane McMahon, John Cena, Randy Orton, Guys that have been around for 10 to 20 years are in prominent positions on the show. That's a little concerning to me. If, if, if I'm like you know, an executive in WWE and this is a B-level show and you're, you, you're relying on these guys to sell that show, that's a little concerning. What are they going to do 10 to 15 years from now, Sean? Are they going to bring Roman Reigns out when he's in his late 40s, even though he's, yes. never, even though he's never proven to be a draw? at the top of the card, they're going to pedal him out there in 15 years as, as you know, that era's Triple H? Is that what they're going to do? Yeah, they will. That's what they'll do until they just can't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. And yes. that's, that's sad. It's, they, they have to develop, they have to develop stars in the right way. And they've got Braun Strowman going babyface now and starting to like do little things that he doesn't need to do. Like we talked about. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he should always attack Roman Reigns whenever they are within arm's reach. Always. Yeah, he, he actually. That should be a rule. So I, I tuned into Raw late, and I, I have not yet been able to go back on YouTube. I heard that Braun said it's true, it's damn true in a backstage promo. He sure did. Braun said that to Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. He sure did. For so all just, of you, <laughs> WWE Universe, I love you all so much. <laughs> I could do without you. <laughs> they actually had Braun Strowman say it's true, it's damn true. Yeah. Ugh. 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 He's, he's, what, six months away from suffering succotash, Sean? Oh, Is that yeah. what's going to happen? I prefer corned beef hash. <laughs> but I'll say it anyway. Uh, if We've said this before. Bailey was a can't-miss prospect coming out of NXT. Can't miss, right? And now she's a scrub, essentially. Shinsuke Nakamura was a can't-miss prospect coming out of NXT. And now he's, you know, inconsequential, really. And now Braun Strowman, probably the most over-new star of the last at least five years... And this is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. They're having him do this bullshit already. Isn't that disappointing? Yeah, it's real disappointing. It makes me sad, man. Ah, it's so disappointing. I was going to bring this up later uh, about Braun and Kane on Raw, but we'll talk about it now for a minute. You know how sometimes when the company, and all wrestling companies are like this, not just WWE, but when they know the finish that they want, but they don't know how to get there necessarily, and so they come up with something nonsensical. And maybe it's because they're lazy. Maybe it's because they just can't come up with anything better. Clearly on Raw, and you called it because they didn't have the LED panels up. Although I don't know if that had anything to do with the spot. So maybe that's not, not related. But clearly on Raw, they wanted to do the power slam through the ring. Right? Yeah. They wanted that visual. Clearly. And they wanted to not give away the first official Braun versus Kane match on Raw. But they wanted to do that spot. And so what they decided to do was book the match. Kane comes out, Braun comes out. They're standing in the ring looking at each other like every other match on every other show. And for no apparent reason, the referee chooses not to ring the bell to start the match. Weird, right? It was... I'm, I, th so that part of Raw I caught live, because was, that was the end segment. I caught that live. I was watching that live, watching the referee thinking, what's, what's he doing? He was just standing there not doing anything. And Good way again, to bury the wrath and make him look stupid and never have any respect from an audience standpoint. And how many times have we seen matches where one guy attacks the other guy, and as soon as that happens, the referee calls for the bell to start the match? When one guy, yeah, that, that's right? why you have the attack start outside the ring because you have to be inside the ring to ring right. the bell. Right, right. If you want to go the other way, have it devolve right there from ringside. Right. You're right. I mean, Kane could have just thrown a boot at him as Braun was coming into the ring. And then they could have kept it going outside. That's all it takes. It was so odd watching that referee just stand there. Because it's not like they were standing there for two seconds. They were standing yeah. there for like a, at least ten seconds, the two of them looking at each other. 
And it was so odd. And I, again, watching that, and then when you saw how it played out, clearly they wanted to do the power slam spot. They didn't know how to get there. And, and that's how they chose to do it. Really odd, really sloppy. Um, one other thing that I noticed during that, that segment, so they're brawling around ringside. And all of a sudden, Corey Graves goes, uh, hey, guys, this match has never officially started. And when he yeah. sa- as soon as he said that, I thought to myself, he was just told to say that over the headset. Because he said that kind of out of nowhere. They were talking about something else, and then Corey Graves jumped in and said that. And I thought he was just told to say that on the headset because they wanted to make it clear this isn't a match. This is a brawl. Their first ever match is going to wait kind of thing. No, I so. just can't wait to see what they, they make Braun say next. After the show, I'm going to go to Cricket Wireless, who has a great partnership with WWE. More data at the same price. Do you think that they're going to have Braun in the, in the Colonel Sanders gear? They, okay, they should. They should. They, they need to do that. That's the thing that should happen. But I'm all on board for But that. Braun Strowman would never give a shit about that, dude. Not hate AFC. Well, here's the thing. Here's why I've let a little bit of leeway go. It seems like he's doing Kurt Angle favors because Kurt Angle is an enabling him to be to like be violent. Like violence is Braun's currency. Like on SmackDown when he beat the shit out of this guy, I'll do whatever type right. of thing. Well, you saw on SmackDown when he came out, he stopped, looked at Kurt. Kurt pointed to the ring and then he went. Yeah. So they did make it look like he was kind of following his lead a little like bit, like doing a favor. Because yeah, the whole thing was. Kurt's giving him Miz. Kurt's giving him Kurt, uh, the uh, Kane right. in matches. Like those have been what this relationship is based on. And then on SmackDown, he gave him the whole roster. So right. like, it has been blood for just favors, basically. And he was once again the most over guy in the ring when he of came course. out. Guy's awesome. He's awesome. He's great. Uh, let's go to stupid people. All right. This is a stupid song, it just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. Alright. So first off, I know that one of our YouTube uh, viewers loves this. Yeah! Thanks to Trevor Strong, trevorstrong.org, <laughs> for the usage of the stupid song. And once again, why do I say it every time? Because not you everybody... So- you. I just want to say, you no-sold my recommendation to use the Christmas version coming up soon. Uh, did you show me a Christmas version? Yeah, you just never pay attention to the messages I send you. That's because I run a company, Sean. I sent it to both of you. I sent it to you and Nigel. Nigel knows Whoa, 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 what? <laughs> I didn't whoa, get this. Yes, yeah, scroll up on the very window we are on right now. Don't click uh, on anything right now. Don't click on anything Well, I'm, right I'm not going to do that now. Okay, okay, okay. So, uh, so Trevor Strong, TrevorStrong.org. Now, I want to say this, Sean. This is going to be one of the best weeks of Stupid People news we've ever had. Uh, I have a visual today. And anybody that's listening to this on iTunes or wherever the hell else we have the audio version, you might want to check out the uh, YouTube version this week in order to see the visual. Yeah, but but this week I have a visual. These stories this week, it's amazing that these all occurred during the same week because they're all pretty good, I think. So, uh, And the last one's got a visual. So this first one. It was reported by Fox 2 Detroit on November 13th. I don't know if this one is just stupid or stupid funny. You can, you can decide. Uh, Nigel's going to like this one. So uh, two special ops officers from the 12th precinct of the Detroit Police Department went undercover as drug dealers, 
looking to potentially arrest buyers and seize their vehicles. And they were in a certain area of Detroit that's known for, for drug activity, right? So they're from the yeah. 12th Precinct. Then, while they're undercover, two special ops officers from the 11th Precinct oh, no. show up. They don't know the other guys are cops. They order them to the ground, right? <laughs> Next thing you know, guns are drawn, punches are thrown. One officer is taken to the hospital. And now all of the officers are under investigation because the department's trying to figure out what the hell happened. Wow. Isn't this that is amazing? Sitcom, this is sitcom stuff. And, like, sometimes I'll watch TV dramas and I'll be like, come on, I hate how they portray these cops as inept and yes. oafs and, like, we're just getting the conviction. We can't <laughs> do the right thing. And then I'll hear stuff like that and I'm like, okay, there are those people in the world. This one actually happened. Happen. It actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. My amazing. God. I watched the Elizabeth Smart story uh, yesterday, and I was like, man, <clears throat> those were some inept cops. Those yeah. were some dumbass cops, mm -hmm. and apparently they weren't the only ones. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of them, yeah. This next one, Sean, and we've talked about stories in the past similar to this, kind of like the fireworks guy uh, uh, that was shooting fireworks in his garage to get bees. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> so, uh, so this one was reported, and before I read the story, Sean, I just have to reiterate, these people really exist. Okay. These, yeah. are, these are real Hashtag people. Hashtag real people that exist. And sometimes I say to my wife, if we're on the street and I see a moron, because you see morons a lot, you stupid things. Sometimes, sometimes I'll say to my wife, that was the fast swimmer. Yeah. <laughs> Think about it, Nigel. <laughs> right. So this is reported. He won. He won. Yeah, that guy <laughs> won. Imagine if one of the other ones snuck through. You're running into yeah. walls and shit. So this was reported by the Times-Herald at a port here on Michigan on November 11th. A man suffered first-degree burns to his face, singed his eyebrows, and singed his hair after he smelled an odor in his house, uh, figured it had something to do with the natural gas water heater that he had recently installed, went down to find the source of the leak, and decided to light a match to help him see. Well, you left out the part where he would go on to feud with The Undertaker and face him at several WrestleManias. Right. Alongside his father, Paul Bearer. Maybe if they went further with the Kane story, they would explain, oh yeah, I really got burned because I was looking for a gas leak and I lit a match to see my way, and, and that's what happened. Wow. So, what a doofus. Yeah, so as you can imagine, the gas ignited, burst into flames that caught him in the face. Uh, there was fire damage in the house, but it was contained to a small area, just the area that he was in. Can you believe that? So he knows there's a gas leak. He goes to the gas heater because he knows there's a leak. I, I, I got to be able to see better. Let's light a match in order to... Isn't that amazing, Sean? No, it's pretty much on... It's par for the course these days from the stories you're giving me. I guess. It's not guess. that amazing. And like I said, these are real people. And that was the fast yeah. swimmer. Uh, this last one, Sean. I got a visual, buddy. Now... Uh, Nigel said that for the people watching this at home, he's going to be able to put the put the image up on the screen for them. But because you, Sean, are not going to be able to see that, I'm going to. I actually got a printout of it. And I'm going to hold it up for you. All right. Okay. I'm going to switch so, it now. Uh, give me a minute. Give me. A minute. Okay. I'll tell you one. So this was posted on the Facebook page for the Hopkinton, Massachusetts Police Department on November 12th. All right. They posted this picture. You can do it now, Nigel. This picture. This is the back of a Buick Century. <laughs> Someone used cardboard from a pizza box and magic markers to make their own license plate. That's what that is right there. If Phenomenal. I, yeah. 
And so this is what the uh, police department uh, posted on their Twitter. They said, here's a little advice for those aspiring to make their own license plate. Number one, don't. Number two, if you do, make sure not to use cardboard from a pizza box and magic markers. Charges for this creative operator include operating an uninsured and unregistered vehicle and attaching fake homemade plates. Look at that artwork. <laughs> like, that um. looks like my daughter did it. Seriously. And they had that as their license plate on the back of a Buick. as a Buick Century. Amazing. These people exist, man. Like, okay, now I get it. It can be a hassle to go to the DMV to do whatever you got to do to get your plates and your registration and all that stuff. But it's a way more of a hassle to get thrown in jail, and he's going to jail. So they literally he's were probably – they're probably sitting around on a Friday night eating Pizza Hut. Yeah. And, and and the guy's like, you know, I have to go run errands tomorrow, whatever, and oh, crap, the license plate. Yeah, oh, hey, we got this box sitting here. <laughs> it's – it's people are amazing. They're amazing. I would love to interview some of these people. Maybe we could – see, oftentimes they don't give you the name because, yeah. you know, but <clears throat> we should look into it because it's amazing. Uh, okay, moving on. Um, I have been a little critical in the past of Miss Stephanie McMahon. Uh, after watching Raw on Monday, Sean, okay, every critique I have had of her was justly deserved. All yep. right? It was justly deserved. I watched Raw on Monday, and first and foremost, tell me if you agree or disagree, the heel authority figure... It's done. Played out. It's done, right? Can it for at least five, ten years. It's run its course. They've been doing it since Mr. McMahon in 97. Uh, 20 years, Sean. They've been doing this shit. It's run its course. And here's the thing about Stephanie McMahon, and I've said this more than once on this show. Here's the thing about Stephanie McMahon that drives me crazy, all right? So there's such thing as good heat and bad heat. Right, Sean? Yes. Good heat is when the consumer wants to spend money because you want to see the heel get their comeuppance. That's good heat. Bad heat is when you want to change the channel. I can't speak for you, Sean. Me personally, all it takes is like the first few words of her entrance music, right? I hear the first, celebrate, blah, 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 blah. I hear like the first three words of that song, Sean. I'm done with the show. What are the words to that song? I know celebrate, isn't it? Celebrate, da, 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 da. That's all I know. But as soon as I hear that, Sean... I'm done because it is so tired. And how many years have we consistently, repeatedly, over and over and over and over seen Stephanie out there belittling the baby face, mocking them, humiliating them, dressing them down, slapping them sometimes across the face, never gets her come up. It's maybe once a year Roman Reigns gives her a little spirit, WrestleMania to, by mistake. To a departing Vicky Guerrero one time. And that was out of respect for Vicky Guerrero, right? Yes. But otherwise, never gets her comeuppance. Week after week after week after week, mocking and ridiculing and humiliating. I am so tired of it. It is annoying. It is irritating. It makes the segments hard to watch. It's not entertaining, Sean. It makes them hard to watch. And I got to tell you, I don't know if you agree with me on this, watching the Invasion Angle on SmackDown this week, when Kurt was out there and they're beating up Shane McMahon and Kurt does the old Triple H thumbs up, thumbs down thing, right? I had trouble getting into the moment because right now when I look at Kurt Angle as an authority figure, I think he's a pussy, quite frankly, because yeah. he's been out there getting just completely chewed out by Stephanie. He's got Hunter pedigreeing his son five feet away from him, and he's doing nothing about it. 
I am so sick and tired of Stephanie McMahon's character. I'm sick and tired of everything about her, her smug look and the way she dresses down everybody and her stupid entrance music with rap in it for no apparent reason. I'm tired of it, Sean. And they need to do away with it. There's nothing wrong with an unbiased authority figure. There's nothing wrong with it. Bring back... Get, get, does Jack Tunney have a son? Because if so, I want Jack Tunney... Don't do that. Don't do that. Well, Jack Tunney's passed away. But if, if Jack Tunney's son is around, give no, me Jack Tunney's do son. It. Style and grace, I'm never going to be done. Lean on in. Now, welcome to the queendom. Oh, is it? The queendom, where the kings bow down. Right. Oh, boy. Oh, so it's not, it's not celebrate? It's style no. and grace? Oh, you're, that's, that's Bailey's. Uh, I didn't even Bailey's. know. I didn't even know. I am so tired it's, of it, It's Sean. played out. If you want to make a giant baby face female wrestler, have her kick Stephanie McMahon's ass and get her off TV. Problem is, if anybody does it, it'll be Ronda Rousey because they want exactly. to do that for the, right? If it's, you want to make a big baby face, you want to get Bailey over, Bailey as the subject of... Stephanie McMahon's like targeted harassment, and then Bailey beats the living shit out of her. There you go. That's your best second chance at getting Bailey over. It's played out. It's old. Oh, it's, it's here. Here's the big thing. So Jimmy. irritating. It's insulting to our intelligence yeah, that yeah. somebody would be on the show being so counterproductive towards the brand that, that that's supposed to make them money, right? And treating fans in the manner like. It's different when Kevin Owens does it. Kevin Owens doesn't own or own the WWE. Right. Stephanie McMahon is a shareholder. Right. So for her to go out there and say, "Hey guys, I know you spend this money, but you're stupid." <laughs> like, come on. Like, yeah. You- yeah. And I, I think uh, it might have been on the. I heard you guys talk about this on one of the podcasts, or it might have been actually Dave Meltzer that said, you know, back in the '90s, Vince McMahon used to do this. He used to belittle guys. The difference was Vince McMahon got his ass kicked every week. Every single He was getting embarrassed day. and he was getting pissed on and he was getting stunned and Vince McMahon was do you remember when they did the beer truck? And The Rock was in the segment with Vincent Mann and The Rock because I guess he didn't want to get himself all all messed up. The Rock stood at the very back of the ring as far away from that beer as he could. Vince mm-hmm. McMahon was floundering like a fish in the middle of the ring, getting doused because he had no problem. Uh, doing that to his character. Stephanie McMahon... Sold like a million bucks. He did. Every week. He did. Stephanie never gets her comeuppance. Never. Ever. Ever. And it is so tired. I wish one of these guys one day would just call an audible and say, I'm sick of this company and I'm fucking out of here and I'm going to fucking clothesline the shit out of her <laughs> when we do this segment. I'm just so tired of it, Sean. It's annoying. I'm done yeah, with it, it too. It is. Uh, Chris Jericho. So last week we talked about how he's going to be wrestling Kenny Omega Wrestle Kingdom, New Japan, January, Tokyo Dome, right? Yeah. Uh, and we were talking about how there are some fans online that were kind of saying, oh, Jericho has snubbed WWE, and oh, Vincent Mann's probably pretty pissed now, and oh, look what Jericho's done. And I said to you last week, and I think you agreed with me, but I said to you last week, there is no chance that Jericho did not inform WWE first. He's not stupid. There's no yeah. chance that they're not aware of this. Uh, and Jericho, who uh, appeared uh, this week on Busted Open Radio, which is uh, uh, Bubba Ray's show on Sirius, and he reiterated WWE is his home base. It's still his company. Uh, he has the freedom to do other things, like a New Japan show or like the cruise that he's going to do next year. And he actually compared it to the 80s when Hulk Hogan, his fan base was the WWF, but he would go work shows in Japan at the same time. Uh, and a lot of guys did that. The British Bulldogs did that too. 
And uh, so he kind of looked at it like that. But uh, So I wanted to bring that up because, again, a lot of people looked at this like, oh, my God, look what Chris Jericho did the WWE to WWE. And it was so obvious he didn't. So Yeah. Well, Vince McMahon doesn't care what happens on January 4th at the Tokyo Dome. Not at all. He cares, he cares whose contract is up on January 5th, though. That's right. That's what he cares about. Right. By the way, we will have full live coverage of Wrestle Kingdom at, like, three four in the morning the following afternoon that will be on a thursday afternoon i'm going to do a post-show podcast but i'm waiting until the afternoon so some other people have time to kind of catch up and watch it stuff like that but jericho's a big addition for that and i i was i've been told that people in wwe think that he is he feels a little snubbed by wwe for not doing the nxt thing on his cruise but it doesn't seem like they're that i mean it's just i think more than anything it put him in perspective okay well I can go do this then. I, I can spread my my abilities around a little more than I have in the I'm past. I'm glad you said abilities because I sounded like the word seed was going to come out there pretty soon. So you went in the right direction with that. But uh, <laughs> You're proud of that one, aren't you? Jericho said one thing on that radio show too. He said, if anything, it's going to be better for WWE because I'll be more over when I come back. And that's true because New Japan has a pretty big online presence, right? So it, it's true that he would say that. Um, it's only growing. It's going to be helped a lot by Chris Jericho. I agree. I agree. Let's talk about Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff uh, and get your thoughts. So on November 9th, Hulk Hogan posted this on Twitter. When it rains, it pours. I will never say I'm bored again. Business is getting crazy off the chain. Better than ever. One more time around the block. Thank you, God. I am grateful. How long until he beats Tim Storm for the NWA championship? Well, so we'll we'll get to that because I was going to ask you about that. So Eric Bischoff on November 11th posted, game just changed, stay tuned. Then on the 12th, he posted four back-to-back East Coast trips, five appearances, and a launch of a great new project. It's been a good 10 days. Now, um, I think it was uh, Dave Meltzer uh, that might have reported this first, and it was incorrect. He said that Eric Bischoff had been announced as the new co-owner and director of wrestling operations for an outfit called Cleveland Knights Championship Wrestling, mm-hmm. um, and that sounded odd because they're like a you know they're yeah, little they, independent. No one's yeah, ever no. heard of. And now the promotion has come out and said, no, 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 that's incorrect. And Bischoff himself uh, uh, said something like, uh, he'll be coming in for one night. It's just an indie booking for him. Yeah. He's not a co-owner of it. But when I when I uh, heard saw these tweets and everything, I thought about the NWA. Like, do you think there's any chance that Billy Corgan, because he knows Bischoff from Impact, doesn't he? Were they around around the same time? No, no, they weren't there at the same time. But, but I'm, sure they, they, I'm sure they know of each other, yeah. I was wondering, do you think there's any possibility that Billy Corgan thinks, because he knows he's an old-school wrestling fan, do you think that he thinks Hulk Hogan is going to raise the credibility of the NWA, even though it won't? But do you think that he thinks that? No. I think that he sees... I think that he saw... What happened to TNA? Because he did see it. He was a fan of the product. I'm sure that he heard from a lot of people while he was there what that caused. I don't. Uh, okay. If there's some loose affiliation, I wouldn't be surprised. But I just think it's another Bischoff. You know, how how often do we see Bischoff saying, "New project, game changer, hashtag stay tuned." And it's like that's a it. it's like a reality oh. show. They're trying to get it's a reality syndicated. show or something. Yeah, yeah, that's possible. That's possible. Do you think and with I'm sure Hogan he makes plenty of money off that too? But think well, Bischoff when he did that documentary, he said that he's not financially uh, stable. Really? Yeah, he said uh, he said I don't know his exact verbiage, but he basically said that he was not well off to retire, kind of thing. 
He made that. He yeah. made that reference. Um, because he had some things that didn't work out, right? Like he had his beer line that didn't work out, and and whatever else. Like that. That just it does <clears throat> boggle my mind. Like because he made a lot of money, Jimmy. He yeah, made but that was so much money. And, and that's I, I don't care, man. If I had this job until I'm 62, I'll make sure I'm in a place to where I can retire. Like he. He ran a company, and then he came back and ran another company, and then he worked for WWE for years. Like, he was making six figures through all this. Yeah, he also has a private plane. He also had a, a, a place in Wyoming where he would take personal vacations. He lived a good life, I think. So, I mean, I don't know his situation. I can't even speculate. And I don't even remember the exact verbiage that he used on that documentary, but he did address it. So if you, if you go back yeah. and watch the documentary, he talked about it. I'll now, check it out. Speaking of the NWA... Uh, this week, championship wrestling from Hollywood at a TV taping. Tim Storm defended the NWA title against Nick Aldis. It was streamed live on Facebook. Last I checked, it actually had 42,000 views, which is pretty good, I'd say. Yeah. Um, now, we talked about this match when it was booked, and at the time, I didn't think much of it because I thought to Nick Aldis, this is just a booking. This is just an indie booking like mm -hmm. anything else. This is not the NWA of old where these guys are all under contract. And yeah. uh, Tim Storm won the match, retained the title, Went about 15 minutes. I didn't think it was that great. Finish wasn't was, that great. Finish was pretty awkward. Uh, Tim Storm's just not a great champion. They actually called him on the show. The commentators referred to him as a history teacher. Yeah. This, well, was, this was, was the commentators did this. Well, this it was a part, you, Jimmy, you got to watch the 10 pounds of gold that led up to it. Okay, fine. That was they. That was an integral part of this was that they didn't hide the fact that he, he worked a full-time job as a teacher. Yeah, like straight up, like that ten pounds of gold series that they did was really, really good. And uh, the <coughs> match, the match also has about ten thousand views in a day on their YouTube, which we're going to run it on Fightful.com as well. I thought it was the way that they built it up was great. There was zero presence online for the NWA on YouTube before Dave Lagana took that over. Yep. Zero buzz about the NWA outside of the occasional. Sean Ross sat tweet saying, why the hell is this 52-year-old man mm -hmm. world champion? Mm -hmm. I still think it's very fishy. Mm -hmm. I'm going to write a feature about this situation. I'm hoping to interview Storm, Lagana. Uh, Corrigan, I would imagine, is kind of busy. Didn't like the match that much, but yeah, I, I loved the story. And the story was everybody knows that Tim Storm is not a prototypical champion. Right. They know it's an odd situation, a 52-year-old man. And everybody just assumed, okay, he's been world champion for a year. He's 50-something years old. Yeah. Billy Corgan and Dave Lagana are going to come in and take this title off of him. Yeah. Like, it was clear as day. He thought that, too. Storm thought he that, thought too. He thought that, too. Yeah. And I've been told some wild stuff that's going to be in this feature, like about some of the carnies that the NWA has had to deal with. And they said, they told me that he, he was nothing but good to deal with when he could have been a carny. Right. They've had some shady stuff happening, like people sending belts back and them actually being replicas. Right, right. Having cops involved, stuff like that. Right. I thought the way they told this story was great. And I'm just sitting there thinking, James, like, or Jimmy, I've been around for a while, like, seeing WWE trying to make me care about certain wrestlers. The NWA made me care about Tim Storm, even for a week. Mm. If they can do that, I'm interested to see who they can make me care about next, who well, they can who they can do uh, do that with. And Nick Aldis, if that's the best they got, they could have done a lot worse. He's a, held the Global Force Championship, the TNA Championship. He's 30, 31 years old. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, they, they 
if Billy Corgan is really going to make a run at this thing, they got to pick a new champion. It is what it's saying, and they got to pick someone good, somebody that you know they can they can stick with for a while. I will say this. <clears throat> Excuse me for for a first there, time. There are guys out there, Jimmy. Too there are. James oh, there Stone's are. Free agent right now. Sure, but what I was going to say was for a first effort streaming a live show on Facebook. I thought they did a decent job. The venue, I think, looks good. The lighting's pretty good. They had audio issues where the uh, the inter- the commentary wasn't working. The uh, the live interview guy sometimes the mics weren't working. But for a first effort, I thought it was pretty decent. Yeah, and commentary. So- the commentary volume was a little too high as opposed to the in-ring volume but Todd Kenley he was their lead announcer I, I love him I think mm. he's great he worked for TNA for a little while and they let him go in favor of Josh Matthews uh fart noises yeah but yeah, yeah I, I like his work and I'm really excited to see what they do next I I think it's good they made <clears throat> Tim Storm who I looked at before this not knowing a bunch of it not knowing a bunch about him as kind of a questionable, fishy dude, and he, they made me sympathize with him. Right. And that I can't appreciate. Right, for sure. Um, so, Impact Wrestling, uh, you already mentioned this, James Storm, done with the company. He lost a lose-or-leave-town match as part of the Impact tapings last week. Uh, Bram asked for his release, and it was granted. And uh, here's you know something that should be concerning to uh, Impact Management. Bram was interviewed by Morgan Richards from Radio Cardiff in the U.K., he said that he decided to ask for his release after Bound for Glory. Uh, he planned it out, you know, the day after Bound for Glory, he was going to ask for his release. He said Impact is not the same place he entered three years ago. He said he felt slight, slightly stifled and let down by the place. said he felt he had been misused, mismanaged, and it was a waste of a year when it comes to his career. Now, here's the thing again. Anybody that listens to this show weekly, because we do talk about Anthem a lot and, and we talk about uh, Impact a lot, I do not have a, a vendetta against Anthem. I don't hate Ed Nordholm. I don't even know Ed Nordholm. What it is is I not only as a fan, but as a, what do you want to call me, Sean, a wrestling critic? I'm frustrated by the mistakes they make because they're so easily avoidable. Yeah. And, and when you look at what Bram said, this is the mountain that Impact has to climb because morale is low. That's a fact. Everybody knows that Anthem is bleeding money on this promotion. And, they, and, they, and they've had to release guys of the Fight Network because of this. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows that they're, they're cutting costs wherever, everywhere they can. Everybody knows that uh, there's somewhat of a lacking, laughing stock in the business because of these repeated mistakes and repeated mismanagement and, and all, you know, the, the, the Global Force wrestling acquisition and all the shit that they've done. Uh, that's just kind of how it is right now. There's a lot of uncertainty, and uncertainty leads to poor morale. And that's, that's the mountain that they have to climb. And I thought that Bram summed it up perfectly because I think that his thoughts are the same that a lot of other people are thinking right now. About when they wrestling. fail, do you think they'll try to get back in the wrestling business like Air Lux and Jeff Jarrett and Billy Corgan all did? Uh, no chance. <laughs> Zero now, chance. Now, my question is, with their offices likely being <clears throat> moved to Toronto, how long until we do an Anchorman-style Oasis ads versus Anthem-like battle? You know what? I would be tempted to grab Nigel and do a, you know, a Bullet Club Raw invasion and get a camera and show up outside their building and, uh, and ask to talk to Ed Nordholm. <laughs> here's but, here's uh... the thing. You, you've got the benefit because here's what, here's what you can do. you got guys on your team who you can just send over there and pretend like they're mending fences, but really – They'll talk Anthem into springing for like $1,500 for a dinner or something like that. <laughs> Just bleed them dry from within. Vatura will show up on a horse with her backpack, pull some weapon out. 
attack Josh Matthews. Like, I see how it's going to play oh, out. There's no chance Josh, Math- Josh Matthews is going to relocate to Toronto. But based on what we're hearing about Anthem, I don't think it'd be a $1,500 dinner. I think they'd want to take us to Subway. That's <laughs> true. But, uh, but again, I, I don't hate Anthem or Ed Nornholm. I'm frustrated as a wrestling fan and as a wrestling whatever you want to call me, right? Because you, you don't want this company to fold and you don't want these guys to lose their jobs. Just so many mistakes they've made. And again, I thought Bram summed it up pretty well because I think a lot of guys are thinking exactly what he said. So, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. James Storm losing him, that, that's a big one because he's been there since the beginning. He passed up NXT to be there. So You think that really happened? Yeah. Yeah, I do. You think he passed up NXT? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they liked him. They mm-hmm. liked him. They still like him. Yeah, I'm not sold on that. I am. All right. Uh, so you want to... So, no, no, I want to sit here awkwardly until you tell me to. <laughs> I thought that's where you were going. That's what I was doing. I, I was waiting so. for you to cue so. because you'll, you'll be like... Do the segue! <laughs> what's, what's our time? What's our time? <laughs> what's our time? <laughs> well, even when a wrestler's time is up in WWE, <laughs> it's not... I was pretty good. Well, that's good. That was that all right. news for James Ellsworth. I spoke to Kenny Dykstra recently about some of his post-WWE activities and the dark match he wrestled when he came back. It's always intriguing to see where people go after the wrestling business. And uh, I remember when when the word got out that Nick Mitchell was going to try MMA, I was like, yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah. Why not? You know what I mean? Like, you got to try other stuff. There, there's more to the world than wrestling. And, you know, you learn that when you get out of the business or when you stop for a little bit. There, there's so much more out there. People don't know half the stuff you know hey that's something i want to ask you about too the cindy margolis show yeah how was that, that? Was a great show that was awesome uh my buddy andrew glassman he, he was the producer and he does like you know glassman media stuff in la and he was like i have this opportunity for you i think you might you know might be interested in it and i was like okay cool like i just wanted to go and have fun like this is great it's a you know it's a paid gig i'll go live in a mansion for three weeks and it was like living in a frat house. And then you get to like mess around with Cindy Margolis at times. So <laughs> it was great. And I totally, you know what it is? I totally worked the wrestling gimmick in there. And like, they had no idea. I would play pranks and like, they do the reality camera, the confession camera. And I would put over the fact that I was going to play a prank on somebody. And then eventually I would do the prank and I would like make it look like somebody else did it. And then I would <laughs> tease about my next prank that I was going to do. And I just knew that the producers were like, we got to keep this guy because he's entertaining and he's creating conflict. And he's like, it's just random stuff. But it was a great time. It was a great opportunity. I would totally do it again. I would totally go live in a mansion with a bunch of cool people for three weeks. She had a pro wrestling connection for a little while. I know WWE liked her a lot in like 99, 2000 because of the UPN connection and all that. Um, You also, around that time, worked a dark match against Justin Gabriel, 2011. What was that like? What kind of feedback did you get? Uh, that was great. It was actually it was actually kind of weird at first because he's like, "Hey, man, I used to watch you as growing up," and I was like, "I'm we're the same age." I yeah. Think. Like, uh, no, no, no. Like he didn't. No, I was here. We were both the same age. But it was a great match. It was uh, got great feedback, and it's like I don't want to say that they mess with you on purpose because they don't. I don't think they mean mm-hmm. to. But like there were like agents in the back like oh, wow, that's great. Like, I can't believe it. You're going to be back and all this stuff. And I was like, wait, where are you guys getting this information? Like, no one's telling me this. And then John Lornez pulled me in his office. He's like, you have nothing that I want. I'm not interested, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, okay. (laughs) I was like, that's so weird. I said on the way here, like to your office, I heard like everything opposite of that. 
And he's like, well, they don't do the hiring or firing. Uh, but whatever. If you didn't see anything then, that's fine. I'll come back. I'll change. Don't worry about it. I got it. Did and you happen to see him when you came back last year? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He's still there. And did you all talk or anything? Yeah. Well, I mean, I never take anything that they say offensive. It's business. You know what I mean? It's like if you're a pro football player and, and they don't want you to be the start and left tackle, they're going to say, you're not the start and left tackle. Not yeah. today. Somebody else's. But I think when you take it to heart like that, that, that's what makes people get bitter in the business or they, they don't like the business. And, you know, I, I actually, I do some of these signings and stuff and some of these independent shows and you hear about guys getting tryouts and I ask them how to go. And sometimes you could hear it in their voice. Like, they're just like, Oh man, like it was a huge letdown, I think. And, but it is what it is because you go in with high expectations and you know, the effort and dedication that you put into this in your heart and you feel sometimes they don't see it. And whether they see it or they don't, it's irrelevant, but it's just what they need at that time. You know, timing can be a, a big difference in wrestling. When I think of Johnny Ace, I think of how weird it's going to be when all the marriages are done, that Road Warrior Animal is going to be related to like the Bella, the Bella twins and Daniel Bryan's kid and Cena's kid. It's like, right? They're starting their own like Northeastern dynasty, like the Samoan dynasty, like here. Like it's, it's going to, it's yeah, gonna what be are their they own. Call that? I don't know. That's weird. So, Who's bringing what to Thanksgiving? That's what I want to. Yeah. Know. So uh, as we as we wind down, I wanted to talk about like maybe the end of your run or, or the end of Spirit Squad. Almost everybody was sent to OVW, but you was there like any resentment there? Um, I don't think so. I actually I asked not to go back on TV the following week, just because you can't you can't be a male cheerleader for a whole year. And then come back next week and you're not a male cheerleader anymore and expect people to go, oh, that's graduated. Well, yeah, but there was never a graduation. The graduation <laughs> was next week. I come out and get super kicked again, which happened the week before. <laughs> it could have had Lanny Poffo come out there and hand you your diploma or something. Yeah, we could have did a little better. You know, maybe Clarence Mason files a lawsuit or something. Yeah. Seems to be the thing, right? But no, I was like, man, this is going to be tough because, like, it's, uh, I don't know that I'm going to get a fair shake at all this because it's, I don't think, not that I won't get a fair shake. The crowd isn't going to give you the fair opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They need to, and that's just how wrestling works. Sometimes you got to pull yourself away and they have to forget about you. And then when you come back, that's your, it's like first opportunity again. It's hard to get another first opportunity, but when you do, that's where you have to make it work. And I think that worked this past time with the squad because I came back in competition shape and people were like, oh, Wow, look at this guy. He's like, yeah. he can still go. <laughs> All right, we're back. Good old Kenny Dykstra. I'm hoping to talk to some people from the NWA, both for my story and for this uh, this feature that I've been working on. I, I didn't intend for it to be a long-form feature, but it looks like it's going to go that way. Right, right. So uh, one more story on my list here. And, uh, again, I'm, I'm always curious how guys like Nigel look at this. I know you're not a big sports guy. But obviously you're aware of what the Super Bowl is. Oh, yeah. And the Super Bowl is an entity that draws so much money to the local economy of whatever town it's in that all these cities do bids for the Super Bowl. They, right. they call the Super Bowl the Sean Ross Sap of football. <laughs> and why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? And uh, so the Super Bowl is usually booked years out, right? Yep. Uh, at least privately. I don't know if they publicly say it every year, but, but uh, they know what they're doing. WrestleMania has gotten to that point. Uh, not not at the Super Bowl level, don't get me wrong, but they've gotten to that point where uh, cities are now bidding on it. Uh, the Orlando Sentinel reported today, November 15th, 
that according to an independent study released by the WWE and by the office of uh, Orlando Mayor Buddy Dyer, WrestleMania 33 last year added 181.5 million to the economy of Central Florida. Whoa, which is pretty fucking good. Yeah. Uh, the mayor said they were expecting between 130 and 150 million based on prior years. So this is considered a major success, which means WrestleMania is probably going to be in Orlando a lot more, Sean. Even though it's already been there now, what two of the last five years? I think. No, no, ten years. Ten. They were ten there in 08 and two thousand seventeen. Okay, feels like it was a lot more. But uh, still, that, that's fairly often. It is. It is. But again, I mean, and this is. I mean, they're going back to New Orleans city too. That they, they like that the warm weather city yeah. in April because they unless it's in a dome, yeah. they're not going to take it to the Northeast again. I don't think. You don't think so? And that's that's the man. Indianapolis was <coughs> bad, but they can't get it. They've they've. It's been twenty five years or so since Indianapolis has had it right. has had it, but you gotta worry about that weather in early April, late March. Right. It can still be thirty, forty degrees out this way towards then. So Right, right. I get the feeling they're gonna keep going to warm weather cities as often as they can. I mean, you know, maybe a Philadelphia or somewhere like that. They love Philly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Toronto. But Toronto, to Toronto. But I mean they got the sky dome for that. They can Yep. They can shut and close that and yep, yep. all that good stuff. And you would know because you've been there now. Man, it's, it's wonderful. I love <laughs> Anyway, good for WWE on that. That is the, uh, that's the end of my list this week. What else are you doing this week besides recovering from Ebola? Yeah, I feel like ass. I'm not going to lie. I'm probably going to try to get out of here early if I can. But uh, i got to pay the people that work for Fightful.com today. Otherwise, yeah. uh, they might not work for Fightful.com tomorrow. Hey, <laughs> so I'm going to do that. No, man, I got. I told you I got three uh, rentals going on right now, and that is taking up a lot of my time. So I'm going to keep working on that. I am still on, on the ha- the preliminary house search yep. myself. So, and, and that ain't three. That's one. Yeah. And that's like down the line one. I'm just kind of – I'm dipping my toes in, and I'm like, damn, that's a little too cold right now. Oh, yeah. I need to go <laughs> Yeah. Then I'll just do a cannonball in there or something. But well, on this, three in the Toronto area. No, that, no, no. Right? Two are in Toronto, and then the other is my cottage, which is in uh, it's on the St. Lawrence River in eastern Ontario. Okay. So but, okay, but uh, so yeah, and then this Sunday, uh, good old Jimmy Van is going to be at a kids' indoor playground, climbing up uh, rope ladders and going down <laughs> slides. If you can picture it, imagine. I'll to be honest. Like, if, if you ever hear me say, yeah, I'm going to Lexington for this or that, it's usually to do something like that. Like, I'm racing go-karts or doing, like, a rock climbing thing or some weird zip lining deal. I mean, the difference is I'm doing it for my three-year-old. I don't know what oh, your excuse I'm is. Not. But... No, absolutely not doing it for me. <laughs> I go to a trampoline park, and I play dodgeball for right. me. There you go. That's, there you that's go. who I do it for. I haven't for done my it. own ego – just to let me know that this shoulder, this old shoulder that needs surgically repaired, it can still just pelt a 16-year-old kid in the face with a dodgeball <laughs> and let him know he's lost. There you go. There Sometimes you, go. you gotta let him know. You gotta let him know. Well, I, w- I will let you know how uh, how uh, the playground goes. Uh, sometimes I'm, I'm a little nervous as a 205-pounder walking across bridges that are meant for, you know, 30 pounders. Bridges and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we went, we did one of those for like, I think my 10th birthday and you could appreciate this. I spent most of the day playing the WrestleFest arcade game. Ah, uh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. 
I actually just, uh, uh, I guess a weird little side note, I actually, so I'm getting my new house designed. I have a designer and he's designing the rooms and stuff. Yeah. And I forgot to mention to him that I have a Wrestlefest arcade game because I, yeah. I just didn't think about it. And so he had all the designs done, and he came over to my house to get them signed off on. And uh, uh, I happened to mention, uh, where's the arcade going to go? And he looked at me like, what arcade? Oh, no. I, t I said, come downstairs. Let me show you my WrestleFest arcade game. <laughs> and I did. And he was uh, not happy, Sean. Because he had the whole well, thing designed. Yeah, he had it all designed. Exactly. If I were you, I wouldn't have been happy because that's the kind of thing he needs to inquire about. Hey, do you have any arcades I need to know about? Fair. I mean, I guess it's not something he deals with every day, but fair. Fair. So, yeah. Well, guys, we have a packed weekend. We've got more Fightful exclusives up. Uh, you'll, see a, you'll see something at Fightful.com every day that you won't find anywhere else. We've got big podcasts this Saturday and Sunday live right after NXT TakeOver War Games right after Survivor Series. Make sure you guys subscribe. Leave us a thumbs up. That stuff helps. Share our podcast. Share our stories across social media, Reddit, Facebook, all that stuff. But uh, follow us at Fightful Online. You can find links to our other accounts as well there. We got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Anything else, Jimmy, before we go? That's it, man. Enjoy the weekend. Again, uh, picture me on uh, slides and rope ladders. <laughs> On Sunday afternoon. I can't believe you didn't invite the whole team there and do, like, a Survivor Series five-on-five, five, like, in between. Like, you got to make them battle from within. Donkey Mob versus Oasis ads. You know what? I, I mean, as much as I'd love to see Nigel, you know, running around in sock feet on, uh, <laughs> on foam flooring, I, uh, no, we have, we have one guy in my office who has young children, so I invited him. Uh -huh. uh, it just turns out that everybody else in this office either has older children or no children. That's just how it worked out. So that's probably that's probably a fair thing to do. The infamous Allen, who I'm not sure if you will ever really discover the the, the long reaching ramifications of the lives that he destroys <laughs> from within your office, could show up there. Oh yeah. Until next time, guys. Fightful.com. We are out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.